Hey, it's Tom coming to you from the Canada Boomers Bunker. First off, if you're in healthcare, thank you for helping keep us safe. If you're delivering things or taking care of people, thank you for staying on the job. For those of us staying at home, thank you for doing your part in these kind of crazy times. This week, I reconnected with Kurt Robbins, the most knowledgeable guy I know about cannabis. We had started a uh, segment called 2420, where we cover essential topics in cannabis in little 20-minute episodes. We went longer than that today because uh, this is an important topic, and it is about finding the right information right now about coronavirus and CBD and cannabis. There's been some bad information put out there, and Kurt corrects that, sets us straight on where to find good information. So it's a good episode. I hope you enjoy it. And hang in there, everybody. We'll get through this. Welcome to 2420, the bite-sized educational podcast from Tom at Cannaboomers and Kurt Robbins, author of more than 500 articles about the science of hemp and cannabis. We're giving 20 cannabis topics 20 minutes each to help you get smarter about terpenes, cannabinoids, cultivars, and much, much more. And our show starts now. Hey, welcome back to 2420, our ongoing series. We took a bit of a hiatus, but we're back with episode six. And for this episode, Kurt and I really wanted to focus on coronavirus. Like everyone else, uh, it, it's the big topic of the room, right, Kurt? Uh, that's right. It's affecting everyone's lives uh, and, you know, rarely do things in society. Are they so pervasive, right? It, if you've got kids, it affects your kids. Mine are in college and, uh, you know, they're all doing distance learning from remote locations now. There, There is no campus in a physical sense at this time being. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is pretty interesting. Whether you're eight years old or 80, this is affecting you. And as always, we're talking about cannabis and CBD. And in this context right now, there's been some misinformation spread online about a lot of things, but we're focused on cannabis and wellness. So the question has arisen, of course, is CBD or and or cannabis, can it prevent and or even cure the coronavirus? And we know the answer to that. Right. Um, and those are two key words there. Now, for clarity, because there's obviously a lot of discussion on social media right now, um, I'm I'm telling the world and there are doctors and researchers and PhD scientists telling the world, look, when you drop words like prevent and cure in the same sentence as virus, any type of virus, not just coronavirus, that that is fallacious, that it is lacking scientific and reality. Uh, and, you know, we need to avoid that. Um, there are certain celebrities and, you know, we don't need to get into kicking sand in their faces because for the record, this is not about the sources of misinformation, urban legends, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's not scientifically accurate and therefore it is disingenuous to our industry and it's just bad direction for, um, you know, I don't, I don't want my, uh, my parents seeking a solution for their arthritis or their insomnia or their depression or whatever, uh, reaching for a product that really, you know, does not treat said condition. And uh, now for the records, CBD, and this is what you and I have been talking about and put a lot of time into, CBD and other cannabinoids from hemp and cannabis have a lot of efficacy for many different diseases and conditions. But back to these key terms that are being thrown around by company owners and celebrities and such, do they prevent and do they cure a virus of any type? 
and specifically the coronavirus. No, they do not, period. And that's just not just my opinion. That My opinion is derived from interviews with Harvard medical doctors who are currently clinical practitioners. They're at the front lines dealing with sick people. Uh, and in this day and age, some of those sick people are going to uh, have a variety of viruses, right? Some of which are the coronavirus. So they're truly on the front lines. And they're all saying uh, the statement that CBD or any constituent element any compound from hemp or cannabis that it could even remotely prevent or cure coronavirus is so patently wrong, it's not even funny. So that is not an idea that we want to spread at all, obviously. So who are the sources that, that you've talked with? Uh, I talked to uh, Dr. Peter Grinspoon, one of my uh, regular folks who I interview for, for projects and articles. Uh, he's uh, Harvard trained. He's writ he writes for Harvard medical school. Um, he, he comes from a family of uh, very intelligent and insightful science-based people. I like his entire family. Um, I also talked to Mara Gordon out of California. Uh, she is with aunt Zelda's and has, you've interviewed her in the past. I, I she's very evidence and science-based and gets a lot of my respect. But, um, quite honestly, when I talk to people like Dr. Grinspoon and Mara Gordon, uh, I don't put my own career uh, at risk quite honestly, because I know I'm going to solid sources. Uh, they, you know, the things that come out of their mouths or out of their Twitter accounts don't come out lightly. They, they vet things. Uh, very, very carefully as scientists and engineers and researchers, right? Yes, I've had Dr. Grinspoon on too. And yeah, he, he has impeccable credentials. And uh, with an education like that, you know that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And of course, his father, Lester, wrote in the 70s about cannabis. Uh, Absolutely. When he we was could, a, just a voice in the wilderness at the time. Yeah, we um, could talk about that for hours because that's an amazing history. I, you know, uh, would tell your listeners to, yeah, check out Lester Grinspoon and how he pissed off Richard Nixon in the 70s and the book he wrote. And uh, uh, he's got a lot of, uh, he shared his thoughts and his insight with the world uh, abundantly. So I would recommend checking it out. It's great. Yeah. So so Peter's got a a, a great education and, and a lot of lineage and he knows what he's talking about. He literally grew up with it. Yeah. And Mara, too, who has so much experience testing the plant and really, really knows her stuff on this. Well, so at the front lines, when I've interviewed Mara in the past, she's, you know, I, one of my questions was, what's the youngest patient and what's the oldest patient that, that you've treated and helped with, you know, cannabinoids and terpenes and these various protocols that they've developed that are very technical and and medicinal, if that's the right way of saying it. These are not just people making brownies in their backyard saying, here, eat this and tell me if it helps your cancer. It doesn't work that way, right? So uh, again, you know, I try to choose my sources very carefully. Another one is Dr. Ben Kaplan uh, in Boston of the CED Foundation. Uh, I really respect and enjoy Dr. Kaplan a great deal. He is of note for many reasons, one of which is a resource, a knowledge base, a collection of cannabis and hemp related uh, medical research 
that uh, he is assembling through the CED Foundation and other efforts of his. And he shares these very, uh, he's a busy clinician. And the fact that he's able to be so active on social media, especially Twitter, is I've always found very impressive. He feels a certain impulse to share his insights and you know what he's discovered with the world and specifically with sick people so they can help themselves. Yes, he's another great source who we've had on the show. And I noticed, I think he's doing daily things uh, on LinkedIn too. And again, it's all impeccably sourced research. You know, he he links you to peer-reviewed sources, and uh, you really have to pay attention to who you're listening to in this day and age. You know, we we can talk about the the overall picture. We're all networked in ways that we weren't before, but the network dynamics in a crisis where we've already been divided into tribes, and people have their sources that they listen to. But this isn't a time to listen to sources that aren't impeccable. Yeah, the politics get muddy, right? Um, like you say, and, and these are emotional topics. If someone's, if our health is at risk, if uh, technically speaking, if our lives are at risk or the lives of our loved ones who might be, you know, immune compromised, um, a lot of us are fortunate in that we're not immune compromised, but we're surrounded by people who are for a variety of reasons. And uh, we, you know, I think it, it is our obligation to be sensitive to that. Well, Part of that sensitivity is making sure that all of our dialogue, be it social media or with your neighbor over the backyard, you know, uh, that it is science based because uh, just, you know, we didn't get to walk on the moon in the late 60s. You know, we don't have these cool electric Tesla cars and Apple watches and all this great tech. We didn't come to, to this point in human history where we're more comfortable and we have more ready access to information, be it accurate or inaccurate, than at any point in our history. Uh, so it, really, we need to be very careful what we're saying. It comes down to when we have celebrity voices, regardless of what area they're in. Um, they get a lot of listeners, you know, they're celebrities by definition because they have a lot of people listening to them and liking them and wanting to know uh, about their business ventures and their lifestyle. Right. And, uh, and I think that's all great. The enemy, in my opinion, is misinformation and urban legend and propaganda and BS. It is, uh, not a person or an organization, but any person or organization that embraces and touts misinformation that's just flagrantly incorrect, okay, let's be precise here, uh, yeah, that's, that's a hell of a problem because I don't want an innocent patient of any age in any part of the world saying, oh, look, I'm nervous about this coronavirus. I'm going to go munch some CBD and uh, that's going to you know, make sure I don't get it because that's not true. We don't, we don't want people going around in their own reality distortion field, uh, making assumptions that are simply not based in reality. Right. And you can't talk about that without actually talking about our president who's putting misinformation out there. You have to consider the source. Uh, yes, exactly. Like recently, one case you, you mentioned a politician. Uh, there was also a retired sports star, NFL football player of some merit, um, saying that actually made the infamous statement that CBD can prevent and cure the coronavirus. That's a direct quote from the celebrity. Um, and this is simply uh, not true. But when we do the math and just a little vetting, not, not a lot, just like two minutes of vetting, we see that uh, said NFL star is uh, owner of a CBD company. 
So we have someone who has a vested interest in the profits made by a CBD company. Hey, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for it. Okay. But, you know, as Jesse Ventura used to say, let's follow the money. This is just a straight logic trail. Uh, you know, during a health crisis like this, is it helpful to society to say, hey, come enrich me by buying my product because I'm telling you, it'll either prevent or cure what ails you. Right. And that's a dangerous statement to put out there. Yeah, it's really pissing off uh, people like Dr. Grinspoon and other serious, you know, doctors and researchers who, again, this is like an insult to them because they're on the front lines. Think about it. If you took your job seriously as a doctor and a sick person of any age or stripe came to you and said, damn, I have this virus and I'm concerned for my life. Help me. Right. You're not just going to frivolously say, oh, here, munch some CBD. You know, somebody told me it would help you. Whatevs. Right. It's not how it works, but we have CEOs and, you know, this particular sports star has, uh, you know, like 50,000 followers on Twitter alone. Uh, It's, you know, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of uh, people listening to these celebrities. Obviously, some celebrities have millions of followers on social media, like Snoop Dogg or Joe Rogan or... I think the Obama, actually, Barack Obama has more followers than anyone on Twitter. It's over 100,000 or 100 million, rather. There's a distinction to be made. It's not to say that CBD and or cannabis might not help you stay healthy. I mean, there's a lot of ways that it's anti-inflammatory, it can help with anxiety, can help you sleep. All the things that people are struggling with right now, it can help with those things, but it's, it's not going to shield you from the virus. Exactly. Again, back to the strict definition of terms like prevent and cure. It does not do that, period. But a lot of people, and I'm saying this all over social media and other podcasts right now, and I have uh, sincere and educated patients coming to me and saying, you know, but be careful what you're saying, Mr. Robbins, because it does help. And I said help is a very different word than prevent or cure. Um, Yes, it absolutely helps. And uh like Dr. Ben Kaplan and others are saying one of its greatest efficacies in the current situation is the ability to decrease anxiety because people are nervous. Right. People are nervous. People can't sleep. People are working out at home. I spoke with an organic chemist the other day who is digging deep into cannabinoids. And she said, you know, there could be antiviral properties in there, but we haven't isolated it. We haven't had peer-reviewed studies on it. You can't make that claim right now. Right. And it gets so complicated, as you and I have talked about in the past on the biochemical side of life, that it, you know a certain cannabinoid might only have antiviral efficacy if combined with a certain terpene or another cannabinoid, that there's this overall entourage effect where the pieces go together to create additional or novel efficacies that did not exist in isolation as an isomolecule. Mm-hmm. So it gets really complicated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to the plant. So let me ask you, you know, you've mentioned some really great sources of information. Where else do you go for good information on cannabis and on the virus? Um, I mean, it's an interesting time because uh, obviously throughout history, including now, uh, 
consumers and Americans are infamous for not trusting their government. So, uh, you know, it's real easy to, to say, oh, go, you know, check health and human services or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, there, there are reputable sources within government, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of good information coming out of health and human services, HHS, but uh, that's not other parts of government, like, let's say, the White House, right? So, and as you know, I don't get into any of those political discussions, really. Uh, uh, I, I have to fall back on the science. And, you know, when, when the politics and emotions enter the room, that's when I typically duck out to go, you know, do whatever. Um, but uh, I, I would say look for folks who are relying on science. Now, it's easily said and not necessarily easily done. And one of the complications of this whole issue is um, is a, a research study reputable? Is it good science? Because it's a bell curve. There are research studies that are technically, they barely qualify, but they are, that are not necessarily reputable, even when they're peer reviewed, because um, their peers might have said, this is, you know, it's a piece of crap. Uh, nobody should take this seriously, but it does not stop a journal from publishing said study or, or literature review or whatever form of uh, research that it is. Uh, one thing, and we've talked about this in the past on 2420, um, the gold standard in research is a placebo controlled double blind human trial. And the more members of that trial, the better. If we have 12 members versus 300, we get more accurate data and metrics from the 300, right? We can start to see exceptions to the rule and it's just overall a much better picture. Um, that does not mean that non-human trials are without merit. It just means they're different. Right. The pickup truck is different than the sports car, but they're both vehicles and get you from point A to point B. Um, but, you know, so we need to be very careful just because someone you, me, anyone. Right. Retired NFL star. Just because anyone says, hey, here's a study that says this molecule helps prevent or helps treat or helps whatever, claiming some sort of a cause and effect efficacy. We just need to kind of not take it on lip service and say, okay, do they cite a research study? One thing I'm doing now in all of the content that I develop, uh, in text at least, is citing credible peer-reviewed research studies. They're not always human trials because, again, I don't think it's intelligent to limit our scope to just human trials, even though that's, that's the real gold standard for things we can rely on. To unpack a little bit of that, I think, you know, I understand the political aspect and we don't want to, you know, offend half the audience by saying right, one thing right. or another, but it is a touchy time in that we're hearing things that might put people at danger. So as much as I'd want to walk out of the room too, when I, when I hear that stuff, I think we have to find ways to find reliable information. And, and I, I like what you say about peer reviewed journals and it's almost as if if you could put a blockchain on a news story and verify each point along the way, right. that would be really cool. Nobody's developed that technology yet, but um, looking for sources, the New York Times is not perfect, but I get their morning briefing. I take it with a grain of salt, but I think they believe in science and they certainly point me to a lot of stuff that opens my mind and helps me understand things. You know, there's other sources out there this is an emergency, so there's not time for peer review on everything. So you have to decide who, you, who you're going to trust, who's got credibility. 
Right. And, you know, we all need to manage our lives in a practical manner. Uh, and that's one reason I like going to sources like Dr. Grinspoon, Dr. Kaplan, Mara Gordon, and many others, by the way. I tend to, you know, drop their names quite frequently, and they're deserving of such. But uh, there's a lot of enlightened intelligence, evidence-based, science-based doctors, PhDs, researchers, they're, I mean, just go into my Twitter account and look at who I'm following. That's, that's who I follow because I'm getting some great information from them. But uh, like you say, this is an emergency condition, this pandemic, and uh, it's completely understandable that human beings will get uh, suffer anxiety and get nervous. And, and when we get like that, we get in a panic. My mother used to call it a tizzy. Uh, then, you know, sometimes things come out of our mouths that are not necessarily accurate. I, I think we need to really embrace that kind of World War II British mantra of let's just stay calm and let's not freak out here, people. Let's just stay focused on the science. So again, I won't make a rule like I don't trust a government agency. I'll say I don't trust anybody, any person or any organization that does not embrace science. And again, what's that mean at the end of the day? Well, you know, you could get a master's degree just in understanding testing methodologies and all the complexity of that world, right? Right. In general, once this emergency has passed us, the endocannabinoid system wasn't really discovered until the 90s or so. Right. There was 100 years of prohibition where there was all this pent up need for science and now it's exploding. And we're finding out every day that, you know, there's another cannabinoid no one knew about, or here's how terpenes react with these. So there's so much to learn and so much research to be done. But has the pendulum swung too far to believing some of that stuff? I mean, we were told for so long, this is an evil weed. This plant is the road to ruin. The pendulum has swung to the point where, okay, it's anti-inflammatory. And somebody can say it cures everything and people will believe them. There's always been snake oil, right? That's why we have that phrase. You know, in 1835, there were snake oil salespeople uh, traveling North America doing their thing. That's how they were paying their bills. Um, I don't want to sound like, you know, cold-hearted vampire, but kind of the reality is that we didn't invent gravity and there's always going to be good guys and bad guys. Uh, and when I say bad guys in this context, I mean spreaders, you know, sources of misinformation who just either they're the source or they're the broadcaster. It doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're putting false information into people's heads. And then it's like a cancer because then those people that those innocent parties that get that information, what do they do? They just spread it right? They just spread it and they tell two people and they tell two people. And before you know it, the whole village thinks this BS is true. And, uh, but you know, we can complain about that all day long. That's just the way humans have been forever, I think. So, uh, it's kind of a caveat emptor situation where consumers, patients, and, uh, readers, you know, students, people who want to learn about the true science-based efficacy of hemp and cannabis really the burden is on them to vet their sources and not just trust water cooler talk and backyard talk uh, about, you know, I heard CBD does X, Y, Z. Well, maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't, but do you trust a company or a spokesperson for a company that ten that will profit on that? Now, just because that mechanism is in place and they profit on that, it doesn't mean that the information is necessarily fallacious or that they're bad people. You know, that's like saying capitalism is bad. It's when we start spreading misinformation, again, that is not science-based, 
that we get into uh, bad territory. It's okay to say your product is uh, good or has a certain efficacy as long as it's true, right? <laughs> right. You know, the FDA has their hands full right now and, and will yeah. for, a, for a while, but I know that they're looking at CBD. You know, I've decided to look at products that are certified by the U.S. Hemp Authority because they have a pretty rigorous process that is as good as any, as I've seen. It's a great filter that, quite honestly, I haven't even thought of yet. You know, that is an excellent filter. How do consumers and patients, you know, keep the bad guys from the good guys and stay tuned into the good guys and their products and services? That's a great way. Because it's going to take a while to shake out. Again, there's been 100 years of repressed knowledge about this that, that mm-hmm. is just exploding. So in two years, three years, five years, 10 years, we're going to know with more certainty about this because there's so much research that's, that's being conducted right now. And as you pointed out, we're every month, every year, we make more progress in diminishing the misinformation that was propagated for more than 80 years of, prop- of prohibition here in the United States since 1937. Uh, and Officially speaking, because of Schedule One and what's you know going on in D.C., it's still you know we we may have uh, legalized hemp at the federal level here in the states, but we have not certainly not done so with cannabis. And rumors that that is imminent, um, you know, I I've heard those rumors for the past twenty years, uh, and I'm not saying it won't eventually happen. It will, but it has not yet. So we are to this day we are. Our taxes are being used to uh, create misinformation. It was only very recently that DARE dropped uh, cannabis from its program. So until like last freaking year, we had you know DARE going around saying that uh, marijuana will kill your brain cells and stuff <laughs> like that, right? Just ridiculous stuff not based in science what, whatsoever. Yet, again, back to the virus, We've seen that dispensaries have been, you know, acknowledged as essential during this time. That's nice. I, I hope that trend continues because, uh, uh, you know, if if sick people uh, use it to decrease epileptic seizures or to decrease pain or for Crohn's disease or cancer, uh, again, even if it's not a cure and it's just uh, helping one deal with the symptoms. And I am an advocate for if the only symptom that you end up dealing with is anxiety, um, anxiety can be extremely acute and harmful to one's health if you're worried about your life, right? Well, right. Uh, there's a lot of people drinking too much right now. And, I bet. you know, harm reduction, maybe if you smoke a joint, you'll probably sleep better. You won't be hungover and you won't be anxious either. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's all true. Uh, again, the sleep issues that what I wrote recently was that those who do not traditionally suffer from sleep issues, uh, many of them now are during this crisis. And those who were already suffering, it's just gotten that much worse, right? Um, So uh, cannabis is, uh, some doctors like Dr. Ethan Russo um, claim that, that cannabis and, you know, the various preparations and extractions, uh, if done right, is like still to this day with modern medicine, the most effective treatment for both nausea and insomnia. So uh, that's a really bold statement from a respected medical doctor on the West Coast. Uh, So uh, again, you know, but what did I just say? A respected medical doctor. Uh, How do you find the respected ones? Well, 
you know, they're, most of them are on social media. And if they're not on social media, uh, there's people like me summarizing and, you know, writing about their work and their research conclusions. Um, and I like it that way, you know, let them focus on doing the research and getting their, their grant money together and all that and getting us some credible hard science. And then, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll tell the world about it and we'll summarize it through our podcasts and our articles and our white papers. Absolutely. That's what I'm excited about is, um, you know, sharing, being a skeptic and being doubtful, but when you have it scientifically proven, then let's talk about it. Let's tell people and share the news. Exactly. I like that word skeptic. Uh, I think we should all be skeptics right now, but skepticism is different than pessimism. And anybody who confuses the two is going to get into dangerous waters. Kurt, is there anything we haven't discussed that we should? Um, I would just tell listeners that, yeah, if you're nervous about you and your loved ones uh, uh, getting this virus, you know, being impacted by it beyond so, you know, economically in our careers and working from home and all that, there's nothing we can do about that. We need to play our part in not spreading this, right? Not being part of the problem. But um, here's the way I'm looking at this. No, uh, CBD and other components of cannabis are in no way a preventative uh, agent or a cure, quote unquote, for coronavirus or uh, any other virus. Okay. We can, we can say that that's what the best doctors and researchers tell us. So, so that is true. However, we have credible research and hundreds, if not thousands of research studies that point toward the cannabinoids and the terpenes and the flavonoids produced by plants like hemp and cannabis, improving our health. And part of that improvement is in our immune response. Now, if you have a more a stronger immune system, right? A more powerful immune response, more effective. Will that help you not uh, contract a, a virus or get cancer or any other ailments, right? A, a, does not a stronger uh, body immune response, which all we have proven comes from the endocannabinoid system. And you pointed out something excellent a few minutes ago that was not even discovered and identified uh, until the 1990s. Like most, most of us were alive at that point, and that just really puts it in perspective. So, heck, you, you know, only like 11% of graduating medical doctors were taught anything about the endocannabinoid system in medical school. So, uh, and sometimes if they do, it's only like 15 minutes or the prof says, you know, read chapter seven, page four, and, you know, it might be on the test. They're not really even, even those who are getting exposure to the ECS in medical school, it's not very deep typically. So um, that's another issue we've got here is, hey, doc, I'm afraid, you know, I'm, I don't want to I'd be at risk of coronavirus. How can I make myself healthy and avoid it? Your doctor's going to tell you a lot of strategies and maybe prescribe things to you in order to achieve that, right? Um, if they don't mention cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids from cannabis and hemp whatsoever, I think that's disingenuous to their mission. But that's kind of my opinion, right? Not everybody agrees with that. You're taking a stand, and I think I have to agree. I mean, what we've learned about our immune system and the endocannabinoid system that governs sleep and anxiety and fertility and all kinds of things and, and the level of homeostasis. You know, and I've talked with other guests about cannabis alone isn't the answer. You, you also need to pay attention to your diet and to your sleep and, yes. and, you, and you have to exercise. Um, but cannabis can be very foundational to wellness. And yeah, I think any medical professional who doesn't know that or doesn't mention that is uh, not really doing their complete duty anymore. 
Right. I think a convenient mental model is that, uh, you know, these cannabinoids and terpenes from hemp and cannabis are just another tool in the toolbox. And I like that people like Mara Gordon and, and Ben Kaplan and Peter Grinspoon talk about this a lot, that, um, you know, let's not, there are some activists in the cannabis space that, you, you know, are always putting down big pharma and, and there's both good and bad from big pharma, but I don't know about you, but I have loved ones who, if it weren't for certain pharmaceutical drugs, uh, their lives would be a lot worse than they currently are. Um, and uh, so again, cannabis and cannabinoids and terpenes are merely another tool in the toolbox and we need to consider subjective efficacy. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Ben Kaplan for a subjective efficacy article for strain print readers can go, uh, listeners can go check it out. Uh, and we, dedicated the entire article to why do some patients respond one way and others a totally different way on the exact same molecule, the exact same product, or the exact same dosage, right? And it, at the end of the day, is efficacy is very, very subjective. Um, in fact, the same dose of the exact same cultivar of cannabis that soothes and reduces anxiety for one patient uh, can give another person a panic attack and send them to the emergency room. Right. Well, that's another big piece of this is you have to listen to your own body. Um, the, this, as you mentioned, the same cultivar could affect both of us in many different ways, completely different ways. That's a, a big aspect is taking the time to really pay attention to what happens when you inhale this or you eat this or you rub this on and maybe keeping a journal. You know, I've done whole shows on that, that there's enough going on that between your dosage and the cultivar and what results you're expecting and what results you actually get, that it's definitely worth it to track it. Right. And, there, you know, there's a lot of patients and consumers who are currently experimenting with edibles and non-inhaled forms of cannabis consumption to get these cannabinoids into their endocannabinoid system and, you know, making their health better. Um, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, I continue to smoke and vape myself. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily officially give that advice to to others if they really want to look at it uh, in, in the framework of a better safe than sorry scenario. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it, and, and it's so great that as cannabis patients and consumers, we have the option of saying, you know what, during at least for as long as this pandemic is in place, I'm going to either decrease my smoking or quit smoking and I'm going to replace it with edibles or transdermal or sublingual, all great ways. And, you know, pain patients don't want to wait two hours for an edible. So if you go sublingual or transdermal, uh, the efficacy, the onset is much faster. Mm -hmm. Have we covered everything? You know, I, I think we, we have, and, and I apologize to listeners that we can't you know, say better, less ambiguous answers than, you know, seek out science-based sources and just be very careful who you listen to. Uh, again, I don't want to kick anybody, any particular source of misinformation in the teeth. This is about innocent consumers and patients getting accurate science-based information. So yeah, you know, uh, if you're on social media, tune into sources like Peter Grinspoon and Ben Kaplan and Mara Gordon and many, many others uh, who 
are speaking from a science perspective. And by the way, this gets messy sometimes because they don't always agree with one another. <laughs> but um, it's typically on very nuanced uh, topics, right? Um, overall, they're still striving to embrace evidence-based research and just to not make assumptions, right? Uh, at, at the end of the day, a statement like CBD prevents and cures the coronavirus is uh, a, it's wishful thinking. Um, I would love that to be the case, wouldn't you? Yes, we all would, right? Um, but uh, that's simply, we just don't have any science showing us that. Uh, so, you know, that's the situation. At the end of the day, be very careful where you get your information and who you believe and trust. Right. Don't believe everything you hear. On the internet, you can be a dog and no one knows. <laughs> um, so be ready to investigate your sources. And yeah, again, look for that scientific pedigree. And that's the ultimate badge of credibility is uh, if someone does have this, some science behind them. It is. But, you know, just and just for the record, though, there are PhDs and MDs and RPHs, et cetera, that uh, are not so based in science or do come from a perspective that causes alarm for some of us. Um, so, you know, yes, I, I tend to gravitate toward PhDs and MDs and, and, you know, geneticists and researchers and such in my work. But um, because of that, I've learned that not 100% of those people are, you know, coming from the best perspective. So uh, again, it kind of goes back to life as a bell curve, right? Of all dentists in Nebraska, some of them are going to be just A plus wonderful and some of them eh, not so much. Well, follow the money, too, is another great piece of advice you mentioned. So True. Yes, true. Kurt, thanks for taking the time. I hope everyone listening is doing well. Listen to Kurt when he tells you that uh, CBD is not a cure-all, but uh, it could help you stay well. Uh, right. I take it. I take CBD, CBG, THC, and a variety of terpenes on a daily basis in many forms. So I think it's great stuff. And in that respect, some of these sources of misinformation and I are actually agreeing, right? We're saying CBD is good. But just remember, folks, don't be spreading this misinformation that it's a preventative agent or a cure, because those are very bad words in this context of the current pandemic. Right on. All right. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Tom. You've been listening to 2420, a special edition podcast series from Cannaboomers and Kurt Robbins. Want to learn more and help grow the cannabis movement? Spread the word and follow us on your favorite podcast platform or at cannaboomers.com.